On this week's episode, Rita joined us to share about how she found out, just a few weeks into her marriage, that her husband had an alcohol addiction. She shares about how devastating that was, but also about how the Lord led her to a place where she could understand how to love her husband in it and how to find joy in her marriage, even in the midst of that addiction. She shares about hope and healing amidst all of the heartache, and we hope this episode is particularly helpful for those of you who are married and who might be experiencing addiction or whose spouse is experiencing addiction. And please know that we're praying for you in this time, if that's you. God bless. This is a podcast for those who suffer, which is everyone. It's a space where we can speak honestly about what it feels like to be in desolate places without losing hope. Welcome to In the Thicket. Hello, everyone. Hi, Erin. Welcome, welcome (laughs) to In the Thicket. Yes, as Rachel said, my name is Erin. And what's your name, Rachel? My name is Rachel, Erin. Excellent. That's (laughs) wonderful. Yes. And today you might notice um, if you are watching or if you're listening and you're a savvy listener, you might notice that there is no Nicole voice or face with us today. Mm -mm. Nicole is PhDing today. So she is like in the, so pray for her. If you're listening to this, pray, pray for Nicole because she's doing fine. She's doing very well. Um, But it's like, she's doing a lot of work on the PhD stuff now. And so it's like, she can use lots of grace for that. So pray for her. I'm sure she would appreciate prayers. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And so then the other thing is, if you're watching or listening, there's another voice that has not spoken yet, um, but there's a face that is present in front of us. And it is Rita. Hi, Rita. Hi, (laughs) Erin. It's exciting to have you here today. Yeah, it's exciting to be here. It's so funny that we are connecting after so many years. I know, a long time. So so this is the the fun thing. So Rita and I both did NET in 2008-2009, NET Canada, (laughs) Uh. (laughs) which is great. And so I was on the team that went out to Victoria, BC to a parish there. And where did your team go? You were on the French team. Yeah, we were on a French traveling team. So we did like the first half was kind of more so in Ontario, I think. And then the second half was like mostly in the Eastern Canada and a little bit in the prairies. Right. Mm, That's super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. This is great. Okay. So we were talking about this because 2008, 2009, like was more than a decade ago. Uh, (laughs) That's so scary to think of. It's very, very disturbing for all of us. I know. Yeah. 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 Like it doesn't feel like that long, but that's why it's scary because you're like, I was That's not, you know, but then it really was. Like I was still in my undergrad in 2008. Many, many, sadly, you know, (laughs) many, many years of university later, I'm still in university, which (laughs) is also a thing that's like kind of crazy, that unexpected and crazy. But it's been like, yeah, is it 14 years? Am I doing the math on that right? I don't want to say. Yeah. Wow. I know, which is, it's crazy. It just feels like, like I saw a post the other day and I was like, this is very true. Where somebody is somebody saying that they expected once they got to be like 25 or 30, that they would feel like an adult. And you're like, at some point you start, you start feeling like, you know, older and responsible and stuff like, no, I pretty much just feel like I'm like 20, except for I have more bills. Yeah. <laughs> That's, so That's a pretty accurate description. <laughs> yeah. I think you realize at some point that no one ever really knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. There's kind of, kind of, you're just kind of like, oh, this is like a, just a collective, like fake 
faking it that we all right. do. We <laughs> right. all kind of know that we're doing it and we're all mm-hmm. doing it and we kind of do it always. And But there yeah. is, I will say, I did finally get to a point where I was like, I think I'm older now. Like, you know, there's a time where I felt like 17 yeah. for like yeah. 10 years. And now mm-hmm. I don't feel 17. I feel like 25. I'm mm-hmm. not at all. I'm in my 30s. But like, you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. definitely like, I've graduated something. I don't know what it is exactly. It's a little bit ineffable and difficult to describe, but yeah, I do feel older. Yeah. I still don't know what I'm it's doing. It's true. Yeah. I feel like even, even just the, the, like, um, like as soon as I hit 30, like the decades, you know what I mean? I don't the know. Decades are big, it's like, yeah. so like the twenties is like, Oh, you're starting to, I don't know. You got lots of energy. You're doing stuff. Like there's like excite, whatever, except for there's still, I feel like my twenties, I was still in, unsure of myself in a lot of ways like yeah yeah it's discovery yeah. time you're like yeah, like imposter I? syndrome yeah yeah, yeah and then totally getting to 30 I was like 30s are awesome because now I have like I mean some money maybe or some ability like I'm an adult so I'm like full functioning kind of but also I care less about what people think not yeah. to, right totally. does that That's make sense totally right yeah yeah, yeah. And then 40 is great. So once you guys hit 40s, then it'll be... Because we should also say, when I did net, I was 28 years old. So that was like on the upper end of things. And and (laughs) upper echelon. I love that word. The upper echelon. The upper echelons. Yeah. So yeah, so that means that I I, I am in my 40s now. And I'll tell you, ladies, or whoever is listening, maybe if you are 40 and and above, 40 is great because I care even less about what people think. Um, and, and I'm like, I'm like, okay with me too. Like, I mean, in, it's a relative thing, right? right. Cause I yeah. feel like there's like always parts of us that were like, ew, that stinks. But then, <laughs> yeah. 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 I think if there isn't a part of you that you're like, that's not good, then it's probably something wrong. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we're definitely always on the journey of, of greater, of just becoming more like Jesus. And so if you got to a point where you're like, I am exactly like Jesus, yeah. because probably you're not, you know? Yeah, probably not. No, <laughs> like, so no, like you're just a little have... bit blind to something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's funny. And so Rita, it's crazy because you got, you got off a 10 day thing. So tell us like, where were you in the last 10 days? What were you doing? Yeah, no, we were cool. at a retreat center in Calgary and we were, um, my husband and I were actually helping to lead, um, helping to facilitate a, a healing retreat called triumph it's awesome yeah that's amazing amazing. is Mm -hmm. it put on by like the diocese of calgary or just like a no it's a separate ministry um Mm -hmm. and the diocese of calgary just invites us in uh Mm -hmm. but the ministry is founded from saskatoon yeah awesome Mm -hmm. cool okay this is fun so um we can put a link in the show notes for people if they're interested in it but is there like a a, like website and stuff for people triumphretreat.com Triumphretreat.com. Okay. That's fun. And what is the, is it a general healing retreat or like specific to some kind of healing from something? It's more like a general healing retreat in the sense that like anybody basically looking to be like feeling really stuck or feeling Mm. like they're, especially like in repetitive emotional patterns, like Mm -hmm. um, it's probably the word I use to, to describe this retreat is complete. Like I've Mm. never encountered such a beautiful healing retreat that just really takes care of it all. And it's founded Mm. on Ignatian and St. Therese's spirituality. Wow. Uh, And it is, is just, it's just profound. It's an experience of a lifetime. Yeah. It's amazing. That makes me want to go. I know. It's amazing. Yeah. 
We'll do like an wow. in the thicket retreat, like a pilgrimage. Yeah. In the future, you know what I mean? To try and triumph retreat. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Or we'll get you guys to come. We'll host one, but we'll have to host it in yeah. the States because most of our listeners are in the States now. <laughs> well, they've gone to the Philippines and they've gone all over wow. the place. So, nice. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Really it's really cool. awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. Well, listen, this feels like a natural segue for you just to tell us a little bit more about yourself and why you're here today. I'm sure people people are interested to know um, a little bit more about the topic, even though probably the title of the the title yeah. of the episode gave it away. <laughs> yeah. Probably a little bit, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, everybody already knows my name. It's Rita, and uh, I have a master's in psychology, actually, which is a lot of fun. So, I have just a deep love and desire to help people come into deeper healing, and to mm. me, that means coming into intimacy with Christ. Like, I really don't know how you could possibly heal uh, without finding security in God. Like that to me is, is the groundwork for freedom in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and it's funny because that's really, really the underpinning of even why I'm here today. Like having dealt with addiction in our marriage, um, that was actually the key. That was the key to finding joy and freedom in my own marriage, despite my husband's addiction. Mm. Uh, and so that's really very much, uh, I would say a really core piece of, of my heart and the mission I feel called to here on earth is just to, to help bring mm-hmm. freedom, especially, especially to faithful Catholics. I just, I've seen so many, so many beautiful faithful Catholic people. Cause I've just, I've been, uh, I've been yeah. a part of that community for, for such a long time, I've been really blessed in that. And yet I see so many people who are still just suffering uh, mm. so much in their daily lives and in their relationships. Um, and so just helping, helping Catholics in particular kind of come to that deeper, that e- deeper intimacy with Christ so that they can have the freedom that the saints had in their suffering and, um, mm. and their joy. Yeah. That's beautiful. And so before I forget, because I want to make sure that we get it in there. So you have yeah. um, you have a, a ministry called mm-hmm. fully, fully Integrated. Is it Fully Integrated Ministry? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah. Awesome. I was like, I don't want to get that wrong. Um, and so that's like, I I was looking at the website and I was like, it's really beautiful. Like it's mm-hmm. really um, beautiful, the mission that you have in that. So you can, if you want to share, like just just briefly about that and then we'll get into your into your actual sure. story mm-hmm. yeah so I mean this this kind of came about it's been coming about for probably the last decade just with my spiritual directors and and trying to figure out <clears throat> what exactly this ache on my heart has been <laughs> mm. uh, and like why God called me to psychology in the first place and and really we've landed on this place with virtue, like just grace and virtues and understanding that healing is kind of this twofold process. Mm. Um, and I use the analogy of surgery, uh, very much to describe that because, you know, when you go for surgery, a part of that is laying down on the bed and letting the doctors do the work. Right. Mm. And then the other part of that, when you get home is the recovery. Mm. And I think a lot of the times we think of healing only as the surgery and we don't think about it as the recovery piece. And, and the strengthening and, and having to actually, uh, learn how to live without the disease or without the pain, mm. um, and how to protect ourselves from re-injury, right? Cause when you come home from a surgery, if you go too fast or too quick, you can yeah. actually injure yourself even worse and have to go back into a surgery, like, yeah. you know, and so that's where virtues to me really come in virtues. Uh, they really help to strengthen us and they help to prevent 
re-injury. And, and so it's that formation piece that needs to follow along with healing. It's a, it's like a, a both and mm. type of type of experience. And so that's very much um, what fully integrated ministries is all about is just grounding Catholics in virtue yeah. um, and in a, in a, in a life of grace. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. That is that's so amazing. Cool. Okay. So yeah. if that sounds like something <laughs> you might be interested in, like, I love that. We'll put a link yeah. to it in the show notes for, for people for sure. Um, yeah. And so this is, I mean, it leads into like your own experience, right? So you shared uh, a little bit about how, how a few weeks into your marriage, you had kind of discovered that your husband had an addiction to alcohol and, mm-hmm. um, and, there, well, and all actually, of, yeah. Yeah. Can we, can we, can you share a little bit about that part of the story? Just like, how did, you know, like, how long have you been married? When, like, when did sure. you guys meet? Just like mm-hmm. a little bit about. Yeah. So and been also, married. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Disclosure. We, we have permission um, from yes. Rita's husband to permission. Yes. permission. <laughs> Rita is not here like on the side, like telling us stuff about, you know, yeah. this is yeah. just everyone knows he's yeah. fully on board with this. I'm fully on board. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> no, we, um, <clears throat> Sorry. We met, uh, I would say probably about eight years ago. Um, and I actually, we met at a, a mutual friend's birthday party. He had just moved to Saskatoon. He had just, mm-hmm. um, he had come in to do a ministry culture witness. Mm-hmm. And I like walk into this birthday party. It's in a hall. It's like a dance or whatever. And I see him like right away. <laughs> I'm like, who, <laughs> who is this guy? You know, he's tall and he's got a bit of red in his beard and I'm pretty oh. much done for. And, um, <laughs> And so anyways, I, I find a way to kind of introduce myself sneakily to him like that day as he's talking to the birthday girl, I'm like, Oh, I haven't said happy birthday yet. So I'm just gonna sly myself in there. (laughs) So anyways, I introduced myself to him and that was fun. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, I go to say hi to him again and he doesn't even remember meeting me. (laughs) Oh no! (laughs) I had to introduce myself to him three times. Oh, oh my goodness. Before he remembered meeting me, but he was pretty new, right? To the city. Right. He's meeting a lot um, of people. He was meeting yeah. a lot yeah, of yeah. people. So, anyways, I thought that was really funny. So I had a huge crush on him for like a year um before we really connected as friends. I would say we uh, like it slowly developed uh, a friendship over that year. But he stayed over the summer because he was going to do a second year of ministry. Um And I had just come back. I had gone and spent a couple of months in Nova Scotia. So I had just come back to Saskatoon and he was kind of alone because all of his friends were from the ministry. Mm. And and so I kind of, you know, swooped in and I was like, we should go watch a movie or something, you know, (laughs) and like not as a date, like just as friends. Yeah, just as friends. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we ended up spending like three to four days a week together. And like, I mean, 10 to 12 hours a day, Mm. like... Um, over the, over the course of those next few months. And I was like falling hard mm-hmm. for this guy. And he was totally just like, we're friends. <laughs> this is <That's> so- <laughs> he was not attracted to me at all. Oh, um, which was funny. And then finally it was actually on the feast day of St. Raphael. Um, and I didn't realize this, but both Daniel and I had prayed a novena to St. Raphael, the patron saint of soulmates mm-hmm. that summer. And, um, on the feast day of St. Raphael, I was sitting in adoration and I had kind of come to the point where emotionally I wasn't okay with just being friends anymore. Yeah. And so I knew that I either needed to not be friends with him anymore and, or actually enter into a dating relationship. Cause mm-hmm. until then I had been pretty at peace with that. Mm-hmm. 
And I, so I was in adoration. I'm like, you know, Lord, like, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to, you know, if I opened up my phone and there was an invitation from Daniel to like come over and watch a movie tonight or something. And, you know, if he asked me out and I couldn't help myself. So I was just like, looked at my phone just to see. And sure enough, there had been like, he had Facebook messaged me and was like, Hey, do you want to come over tonight? And I was just like, this is amazing. (laughs) And sure enough, he had no intention of asking me out that night. Mm -hmm. Um, and his brother, his younger brother happened to be there and his younger brother's super like social. Mm. Yeah. And I walk into the room and his younger brother's has this big fuzzy sweater on and he like unzips his sweater and opens it wide. And he's like, Rita, you have to feel this. Come give me a hug. Right. And I'm feeling awkward because this is kind of an intimate ish hug to be like inside someone's sweater. Right. Yeah. Anyways, that triggered Daniel. He was like, she's mine. And all of a sudden he was like, but wait a minute, she's not mine. So that whole <laughs> wow led to him asking me out that night. Was oh my god, so funny. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And then we only dated for two and a half months. Honestly, we got engaged really quickly. Right. And then we, o- we were only engaged for four. Mm. So like right. once we did start dating, everything went really, really fast. Right. Um, yeah. So... And then here we are. It's been almost seven years now that we've been married. Wow. Crazy. That's beautiful. That's so funny. A fuzzy sweater. <laughs> I love sweater. it. God I know. I think, everything. I think my brother-in-law Luke all <laughs> the time. Cause I'm like, you know, had you not done that? I don't know if you would have been like, like clued into. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, this is how I feel about this Wait a minute, person. I like this girl. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, awesome. that's very cute. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. I mean, and you guys already had like a long time of kind of knowing each other and growing in friendship and all of these things. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. yeah. So what was that like, like in that first little bit of marriage, mm-hmm. um, where did you kind of come to that or how did it, how did you kind of discover that Daniel had an addiction to alcohol and, and what was that time like for you guys? Yeah. Um, so we had, we had gotten married in Ontario and had to bring back any of like the open liquor that we had from the wedding. So we mm-hmm. brought it back home with us and we kind of stuffed it in a cupboard on top of the stove mm-hmm. and in the back. Right. Cause like I wasn't like, I don't drink a whole lot and especially mm-hmm. hard alcohol and stuff. So mm. And we had put tea like in front of it. Um, and so one morning he had gone to work and I had stayed home and I decided to go and make myself tea. And so I, I just, you know, opened the cupboard and I grabbed my big can of tea and I noticed that the bottle behind it is empty. And I'm like, Oh, like that's Mm -hmm. odd. Cause like we haven't opened, like we haven't drank anything since we've been home. So I just panic a little (laughs) And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So then I start taking down everything from the cupboard. And I noticed that every single bottle we brought mm-hmm. home um, mm-hmm. less than three weeks ago had been emptied. Okay. And that was like <laughs> the, like, that was very difficult. Like yeah, the, like right. it just like something just like sinks into the pit of your stomach. Like it was just like this panic. And I almost froze. Like I just didn't even, like, I didn't even want to believe that it was true And the rest of that day, I just like spent in like pure and total anxiety. Um, Mm -hmm. cause I was just like, my control freak really came out. Mm -hmm. Um, because obviously he had a problem and obviously it needed to be fixed and I was gonna, (laughs) right. Fix it. I was gonna, yeah, I was either going to fix it or I was gonna, you know, like shove it in his face so he couldn't run away from Mm -hmm. it kind of thing. And so I really spent, I'm glad I had the day though, because it did help me to kind of 
like rein in the mm. control freak a, a little bit, but I still remember him coming home like that later that afternoon. And I like sat him down and I was like shaking. And mm. like, I was just telling him like, this is what I noticed. Right. And I'm going through the list of the things that I've noticed. And I was like, I think you have an addiction to alcohol. And he was just like, not having mm. it. Like he didn't, he was not ready to admit that he was not ready to face that. Um, and in all honesty, like our relationship suffered significantly, mm -hmm. um, from, from the fact that I approached him and in such a mm -hmm. controlling way, like it's one of those things where he needed to be confronted with it, but mm -hmm. I kept like pestering mm -hmm. and wanting to, I kept wanting to control him. I kept wanting to, like, I remember he, whenever he wasn't home, I would scour our apartment. Like, I mean, I would open up the tank on the toilet to make sure he mm -hmm. wasn't hiding something in there. Like I was checking underneath the sinks to see mm -hmm. if he had taped anything up. Like I mm -hmm. was like, I was crazy. <laughs> right. Like, um, and it was self-protection. Like I went into such right. an intense, like self-protection, um, where I just didn't trust that he wasn't lying to me. <clears throat> right. And, um, and, and that came out in the way that I related to him, obviously. And, right. and that really just pushed him further away from me. Mm. Um, because it's like, we couldn't relate. It's, it's like, almost like I put a condition on our marriage and on our love that, um, until the addiction was taken care of, like we couldn't be like right. happy mm. together. Right. Um, and, and so, yeah, that just really drove him further into his addiction and it just caused him to lie to me even more. Mm. Um, cause mm -hmm. he knew, he knew that if I told him, if he told me that he had been drinking, it wouldn't have been right. a pretty experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's super intense. Yeah. Well, and I'm just wondering, like, because it's also understandable, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's so understandable because you're like, okay, I, we made, you know, we're together, we're united, we're, we're one. But then, you know, because maybe in the first place, like, when he, he maybe didn't know, he, like you said, he hadn't admitted it to himself that he even had a problem. But there's sort of this way in which you, I, and I don't know, I'm, 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 I'm just, I guess I'm asking, like, you kind of feel blind, maybe felt blindsided by like, right. So then there's this betrayal. That's not just like you have an addiction, but like, how did I, like, how do, like, why did you hide it from me? Or like, what's how, like, there's a secrecy, yeah. there's mm -hmm. a secrecy that you've uncovered. And so then that secret is sort of the thing. I think that's like, mm -hmm. it's difficult to trust after that. Right. So yeah. It's very under, I feel like most people would have a similar reaction yeah, in that. That's actually that. like pretty much bang on. Um, mm -hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't the drinking that was actually the problem. It was the lie. Um, I remember like when I, it really shook me. Like, it's crazy. I've been through quite a bit in my life. Like I've been physically abused and sexually abused. And I've lost my brother to suicide. I lost my mother to cancer. Like I've, mm -hmm. I, I've, I've struggled. Like I've gone through like pretty big traumatic things over the course of my life nothing, nothing shook me to my core, mm -hmm. like having, like finding out, um, that I was married to somebody who could lie to me so easily and, and that I had been so blind and so like clueless to it in a way mm -hmm. because, and it, the crazy thing is, it's not even that it was hard to trust him. It was hard to trust myself. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because right. I had never been so convicted. Like there was there was only two moments in my life that I can think of where I had been so sure of a discernment and of a decision that I had made for my future. Mm. And he was one of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I, like, I 
when I found out that he had been lying to me, especially alcoholic. And I, and I realized this later, but I had so many negative associations to alcoholism. Mm -hmm. Like I was so convinced, like when I found out that he was struggling with alcoholism, that I was going to be abused, that my children were going to be abused, that we were going to be in an angry marriage, that I Mm -hmm. was just basically like set up for a life of complete and total suffering. Like, Mm -hmm. um, and and because it was a sacramental marriage, or you know, because I was married in the Catholic Church, I was stuck. Like that's really what I felt like, and I, I did. You know, three weeks into my marriage, I thought about divorce, and I told myself I would never. Like you know, I remember before I was married, I was like, oh, I will never think about divorce. Mm. Divorce is never an option, and stuff like that. And I really uh, was very judgmental <laughs> um, towards anybody who who did get divorced or thought about divorce and these mm-hmm. kinds of things. But I, I really had gotten to this point where, like, you're just like, well, like, do I just you know kind of get divorced so I can be separated from him? Mm-hmm. And then just like never get married again or or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, or do I stay in a marriage where again I had convinced myself I would be physically abused and and in right. an angry abusive marriage and stuff? But um, but yeah, like I just I remember thinking to myself, it actually shattered my faith in God as well. Not yeah. because I was like, God, how could you? But it was like, does God even exist? Because I was just like, because I these discernments were so solid to me. Right. And I, in my head, I was wrong. Right. In my head, that discernment that I was so convinced about was obviously wrong because how, like, how could God would never ask me to get married, um, in an abusive like relationship, even though I wasn't in an abusive relationship. Right. Right. But in my head, in my head, I was because I had associated abuse to alcoholism so much. Mm. And, and I actually started for like the next month, almost, you know, that feeling, have you ever woken up in the middle of the night when you feel like you're falling? Mm -hmm. that kind of like that, like rush of anxiety and and stuff that happens literally the next month that was a constant, like it was just Mm -hmm. this constant feeling of anxiety. Like I felt like the ground from underneath me had totally crumbled and I was just falling and falling and falling and falling and falling. It's the only way I can experience, like Mm -hmm. explain how, Mm -hmm. like I felt physically and emotionally. Right. Um, it, like I was completely devastated by finding out that he had struggled with his addiction, but I just didn't know what was real anymore. And I didn't trust my own judgments and I didn't know. Um, I, yeah, I didn't trust my ability to make good decisions or my ability to, to make any kind of discernments. And so that's what I wrestled with the most when I first found out about his addiction. Yeah. So yeah, the lie, especially from somebody who's so intimately connected to you yeah. through the sacrament, that unity, mm-hmm. um, it, it was, it was actually, I felt, and I felt deep shame as well. Mm. Um, because I didn't want anyone to know that he was struggling with addiction Mm -hmm. because I was embarrassed Mm -hmm. by his addiction. And I was just like, what are people going to think about me if they find out that I married somebody who struggles with alcoholism? Right. Especially because our dating and marriage relationship was so short. Right. Like I had all of these like thoughts going through my head, like, Oh, she was so stupid to get married so fast. Like Mm. that was, you know, that was imprudent and it's her own fault and blah, blah, blah. Like, it was just like, I just had these judgments, like just constantly spinning in my head about what other people would think because my husband had an addiction. Mm. And it's, it's actually like, it makes me really sad <laughs> to think about that because I'm just like, here, my husband was like suffering so much and mm. all I could think about was myself mm. and how it was going to impact me and how people were going to think about me. 
And I really just did not think about him at all. Mm. And I didn't think about his pain. And I didn't think about his experience of this. I didn't think about his shame. I, I didn't think about him. I really didn't think about him at yeah. all. Mm, I yeah. only thought about myself. Yeah. And I mean, that's what self-protection does, right? right. Self-protection, just like it's, it's, you, you just start analyzing all the threats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it, it turns us inward. Safe. Like, yeah. 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 yeah exactly. There's a, there's a mm-hmm. way, there's so many things, but like, um, I'm just thinking about what you said about, about God and like not being able to trust God and the hugeness of that. And I want to sort of come back to that in a second, but this whole idea of like self-protection, um, you know, I definitely have some experiences in my life where, where I realized like, and this is actually like in, in therapy recently, where I was like, there's, I had some barriers to marriage and stuff like this for, for various reasons. And I remember not understanding why I like hated, I, I like wanted to get married. I still want to get married, but this is the time where I wanted to get married. And I kind of hated that I wanted to get married. I was like, oh gosh, like I hate that I want this. Like, I don't really want to mm-hmm. want this. And it took a while, but like um, speaking to a counselor, he was like, he's like, you know, it's because you, you know, there's some part of you um, that sees men as a threat, like in this context specifically, in like a romantic context, we see men as a threat. And he's like, why would you want to be married to a threat? Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, why would you want to tie yourself to a threat? So then like, and I'm just kind of relating to what you're saying, because there's a way in which like at that moment, your husband no longer was your husband. He was now a threat. Like he was just a threat. And mm-hmm. so you're not thinking of relating to him or about him at all. You're just thinking about, yeah, like protecting yourself from now this threat that you're, I mean, it's not true. It wasn't true. Right. And, you know, and you said that so many times, but it's like, this is like what woundedness can do to it. Like, you know, there's obviously mm-hmm. conception of men as a threat in the context of romantic relationships or your husband as a threat. And this is not coming from like nowhere. It's coming, I mean, you just, you yeah. know, you spared all the stuff yeah. that you've been through. So like there's real experience behind mm-hmm. why you go into this mode, but it's not reflective of the truth. So then like, and I'm so, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be so beautiful to hear the rest of yours. Yeah. We're not stopping. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, there's yeah. more to the story. Here, everybody, but, next year, yeah. next week. That's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not done. We're not stopping. Oh, here, but like, man. it's, yeah. but it's, you know, there's some, there's so much reality to what you're saying. Mm-hmm in our in other people's experiences too which may not be this story but like when you have gone through something real it's not just in your head because there is there's real stuff that happened to you mm-hmm. that that led to you in those situations people were threat were threatening right. you in those mm-hmm. situations so it's like the meeting know. of wounds you know it's yeah. like to, it's like the meeting and collision of wounds together instead of people coming together you know what I mean and yeah. where we like lead with our mm-hmm. wounds because of I mean and not like in a it's like it's so reflexive for us in all the ways whatever coping strategies we've developed through our whole life and whatever <laughs> right. it's like yeah. immediately those things come and then those things are clashing together right? yes and I guess yeah. what I'm like what I'm excited to hear about as we keep listening to mm-hmm. your story is because though, because those things are good in certain contexts, right? Well, like when someone really is threatening you, when the situation is really dangerous, it's good that you can protect yourself. But when the situation is not dangerous, how do you, or it's not dangerous the way that your mind is sort of convinced that it is. Mm-hmm. There's this, and I'm so excited to hear, like, mm-hmm. how did God lead you from like, no, like you don't have to protect yeah. yourself here in this way. Like you don't have... Yeah like let go. Like, what is that? Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're going to hear about that, but like, I just, yes. 
wanted to just we'll just turn it back to you I feel yeah, like we yeah. can even talk about this forever like what happens when you wounds collide that's like yeah. a whole other episode you know yeah yeah and and it's so funny that you would even say it that way because that's exactly um how God brought me to mm. letting go um because uh after about like like I said that month of anxiety where I just felt like I was falling and there was no ground in me um like my prayer really was like, God, how can I even believe that you're real? Right. Mm. And, and I remember like at one point in time when I was in prayer like that, and it, and it was a really desperate prayer. Um, he just started to remind me of all of these times he had been faithful to me mm. and all of these times that I just, they were so real. Like I couldn't deny his existence. Um, and that's where I, I kind of landed was just like, oh yeah, like, that's right. No, like God is real. God is good. God is faithful. Like, and he has proven this to me so many times, which means that there's something else. Um, there's a lie somewhere. There's something Mm. distorted somewhere that I need to kind of access. And so that's kind of where we started. And then he brought me back to this memory because four years before I got married, I discerned a cloistered religious life. Mm. And I still remember it was just like this, this weekend I had gone on like a weekend kind of, um, one actually was a one day thing. I drove like six hours to Devon, Alberta to meet with these uh, cloistered (laughs) nuns. And I spent like, I spent the day just basically talking with their, their mother superior. Mm -hmm. And, and then I I drove six hours back to Saskatoon and, and I, I kind of made that like a silent retreat. I said, I wasn't going to like listen to music or anything until I had like a discernment or an answer. And on the way back from uh, Devon, Alberta, like I started wrestling with this idea that like marriage wasn't equal to Mm -hmm. me in my mind. Right. Like I was like, Oh, like I was afraid of marriage and I didn't, I like, and I want and cloistered cloistered life to me was safer. And I was like, why would I want to get married to a human man when I could get married to Jesus? (laughs) who's perfect. (laughs) You know, and so God like started to like take me into this, right? And mm-hmm. um, I started to realize that I was actually afraid of marriage because I had gotten this warped idea that my holiness would then be dependent on my ho- on my husband's holiness mm-hmm. because um, and my parents had just been going through uh, through some difficulties where my mom was trying to become more faithful and really delve into her faith, and my dad just was kind of happy where he was at. And and that was causing conflict in their marriage. And so that's what I was actually afraid of. And the funny thing is, is God like brought me my worst case scenario. And my worst case scenario Mm. was being married to an alcoholic. Wow. And this is four years before I got married to an alcoholic. Right. And so, and, and he just like, he brought me to that place four years before and, and brought me to a place of peace where he was like, even in that God could make me a holy person. And that like that, that would not affect my ability to grow in holiness and intimacy with God. You know, that, that my husband's sinfulness would not impact my ability to grow in intimacy with God, that God was more faithful than that. Mm. Um, and so he brought me back to that place. Mm. He brought me back to that place of security that he had already like (laughs) in his faithfulness, um, prepared my heart. He had already prepared my Mm. heart for this experience in my own marriage. And, um, and that's kind of where I started to, to go with him. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But one of the things he actually led me through over the next couple of months was helping me to realize that my husband's addiction was actually just pulling out of me my own woundedness. Um, And it wasn't actually my husband's addiction that was the problem, but, uh, or like at least robbing me, it wasn't my husband's addiction that was robbing me of my joy in my marriage as much as it was my woundedness that was robbing me of my joy in my marriage. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember thinking about that and he actually like <laughs> challenged me. <laughs> this was all happening in one I love session. It. <laughs> and he was just, I remember thinking, uh, um, I was just like, Lord, like, how could you, how could you, that's right. That's how it happened. I was like, how could you like allow me to marry somebody like, yeah. and, and be in an unhappy marriage. And, and he brought me back to that memory from four years before I got married. And he said, Rita, I didn't call you to marriage so you could be happy. I called you to marriage so you could be holy. Mm. And it was just like, that was, <laughs> I was not a happy experience for me. <laughs> I was like, excuse me. You're like, wait, uh, wait uh, a like, second. You know, but then, but then he really placed before me these two options. He was like, what do you want more? Like, do you want, do you want earthly delight more than you want heaven? Like, what mm. do you want more? And it's like, if this is your path, to holiness, like, will you willfully like engage in it? Mm-hmm. And then, so then I said, yes, like, yes, I will. Um, and in that question as well, he, he made me realize he, he was like, Rita, were you happy before you knew that Daniel was struggling with an addiction? And I was like, yeah, I was, I was so happy in my marriage before I knew Daniel was struggling with an addiction. And he goes, so what changed? Mm. He's like, did Daniel change? And it was like, whoa, like, no, he didn't. Mm-hmm. Like he had been struggling with this, this addiction for years, years before, like before I even met him. So this, that means the entire time that I had been in relationship with Daniel mm. and had been experiencing deep joy and deep intimacy with him, he was still struggling with his addiction, which means it wasn't the addiction that was preventing us from, from experiencing joy and intimacy because we had already experienced this joy, joy and intimacy, and intimacy. despite mm. his addiction. And that was just like this huge, like opening mm. of my heart and my mind, because it made me realize that I had this, I had basically made my husband, my enemy, and I had made his addiction, my enemy, mm. and I had placed conditions on our love. And I had placed conditions on my love mm. in our marriage because, because of this thing. But what really had changed in our marriage was just the fact that I now knew about it, Mm -hmm. which means I was the one who changed. Mm. I like the way I related to him changed the way I approached him changed the way I saw him changed. And that's actually what was robbing us of intimacy and joy in our marriage. And that was a hard hit, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, because it's so easy to victimize yourself when you're in that situation, because there is, there is a real totally. evil, right? Totally. totally. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's and that's present in your marriage. Exactly. And that's important. And it's not like you're, I, I didn't want to excuse my husband, like, uh, like of his behaviors because they were wrong. Like his deceit mm-hmm. was wrong. Like his alcoholism was an issue that needed to be dealt with for his own sanctity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like, and so these were, these things were real. Um, but I had given them so much more power than they deserved mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in our marriage. And, and I had made them, um, the, this like, yeah, like I, I basically convinced myself that I couldn't be happy until they were gone. And God really challenged that in me 
and, and really opened up my heart and my mind to realize that like, actually, like I could, I could be happy mm. and I could have intimacy in my marriage, even if my, my husband was struggling with his addictions, which mm. was so hopeful because addiction, you don't, you can't control it. Like right. I can't control my husband's addiction. I couldn't control how quick he would be able to overcome it or if he would ever be able to overcome yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And so in like, in God challenging that in me and opening my up my heart, my mind to this hope of being able to experience joy and intimacy in my marriage, despite my husband's struggle with sin, um, was just amazing because then this future that I had convinced myself of, of that would just be a future of devastation, mm. then beca- it became so full of hope because it was like, no, I can, like I can have a good, beautiful and faithful marriage you know, mm-hmm. even with the struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm. Yeah. I'm just thinking like, it's also really cool how God um, walked you into that realization. Like, so like, you know, like, because it's so, I bet it in that you were open to that, but like, I love that you're so honest to you're like that hit hard because it wasn't like, it, it wasn't like he was like, here's a, a, a good answer. And you're like, well, that's great. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Like you were like, ah, this is really challenging and hard. And cause it, yeah. cause it would be, I think it would be, but it's, I mean, I, you know, I think, and I also like, there's like so much of the accuser in this, right? Like, mm. like, like the devil just being like, you chose this and you, you know, and you, you were lied to and you're a fool and all these kinds of things. And then to turn away from that voice, to listen, to just be open to listening, to being reminded of that experience that you had four years prior and that God had given you these graces and that he was, you know, I think because there is a choice, this is what struck me, I guess there's a choice, like, because what you're saying is true. Like your husband's, um, struggle with sin and his deceit, those were real. And they were, um, they impacted the relationship in a big way. Mm -hmm. But there is also a choice that you're talking about that you are making to give those things greater power than they actually have. Like you have Mm -hmm. some agency here and it's Mm -hmm. beautiful that you were able to listen to the Lord kind of guiding you to see that you do, you have, you have agency here that it's not like just everything being done to you. There is something that you are doing to either cooperate with what's being done to you Mm -hmm. or cooperate with the grace that God is giving you to then act in the situation with his power and his goodness and in him Mm -hmm. and in his presence, you know, um, And I think that's so, it's hard to hear because it's like, you don't, it's such a hard agency to take hold of, to be like, Mm. yes, Lord, I will. But it's so Marian too, right? Because it's like, this Mm. is a situation that is impossible in many ways. It's all out of my control, but there is a yes that I'm being invited to give. Yeah, And it is a choice that I can make. Like I do have, there's an action, there's there's a disposition that I can choose to adopt. Yeah. And it's not something, but it's also what's beautiful about what you're describing. It's like, it wasn't something that you forced. It wasn't like, well, now, you know what? I'm going to be holier and I'm going to love my husband yeah. through this. And <laughs> yeah. it wasn't like that. It was like no. this walking with God no. where he spoke to you and he reminded you, like, I've been with you. And, you know, I think this, you're just like describing something that is, it's about disposition more mm. than it is about like, white knuckling through something. You yeah. Know? Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. And it's like, it's like a, I mean, the invitation to love as God loves 
is very difficult. <laughs> like it's a, you know what I mean? Because yeah. if you're picturing like thinking about how God loves your husband or how God loves like, like in with every drink, even from the be- beginning of a development of a of a an addiction, right? It's like with every drink, the compassion of God grows more. Like it's not mm. like the frustration of God grows more. It's not like that, but it's like the compassion and the desire for healing and the desire mm. for heat for love and like all of those kind of things. Like God's heart rends open more with with mm. you know like that pain that results in these in the in these sins so it's like but i can't imagine like even in my own life i'm thinking of times where um where there've been like sinful patterns or like wounds or things like that that it's actually been the love of other people that helped me to see the love of god because their ability to love as god loves like to have to respond with compassion like with a deep compassion to things that I feel like should be responded to with a quick slap are like, you know, like the, yeah. it's like, it shows me. So I can only imagine like, even for Daniel, like the gift of the Lord being able to give you a different perspective on things mm-hmm. so that he can be like that. If he is having a drink, then there can be some understanding of like the Lord's deep love and compassion for him in that struggle that can be greater than the enemy's presence and shame and condemnation and like all of those things, you know what I mean? And that like the Lord, it just is so anyways, keep going. I would love to hear how that I'm like, and it's so beautiful, you know, um, but yeah, like how did it, from that time and that experience with the Lord mm-hmm. kind of praying through that things, like what, what happened in your marriage and what happened for him? And mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, well, it was um, like, it was one of those things where that ultimately led me to that, that discernment of just kind of like, okay, there's real evil here, but at the same time, a real call for love. So it's like, how do I, mm-hmm. how do I love my husband in an appropriate way, right? In a yes. way that's not excusing his behavior, that's mm-hmm. not dismissing it or sweeping it yeah. under the rug, mm-hmm. but at the same time, in, in a way that's not accusatory and yeah. um, placing conditions on the marriage and on the love and, and these kinds of things. And so I was, I was really wrestling with that because how, mm-hmm. how do you do how that? How do you do that? Yes, right. seriously. I'm so <laughs> like, curious. I, I didn't even know how to love my husband um, in the right way, and while also protecting my heart and. And really also dealing with the fact that I was so hurt because my husband was supposed to be my protector and my provider, mm-hmm. right? Like that's his role. Mm-hmm. And he was not protecting me. And um, at that point in time, he was also unemployed. He had quit his job mm-hmm. um, or he was wanting to quit his job. And, and these kind of, so I didn't feel like I could trust him to be my protector and my provider. And, and, these, and so God really just kind of kind of wrapped me up a little bit. And, um, this was like a later prayer that happened. And this is really where everything kind of really clicked and changed. Um, I felt like God telling me, he said, I am your protector and provider first. Mm. And whenever, and if ever I choose, I may give you these things through your husband as like, but it's my job. It's my Mm. job to be your protector and your provider. And I am faithful. Like Mm. I am good. Mm -hmm. And so it was just this realization that he was helping me realize that my husband was going to be imperfect and that I couldn't put um, these, these expectations of perfection on him. And it's like, what do you do when your husband's imperfect? 
right? It's like, and we all have to deal with that. It doesn't matter what level of sin your husband's dealing with. Your husband's never human man. He's (laughs) never ever going to be able to like unless you're married to Jesus, and then you're always the problem. Then you are for sure always the problem. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, and so, so it was just, it was just, yeah, like a really beautiful invitation mm-hmm. to just be like, it didn't matter whether it was grave sin or not, that I, this was a, this was a place I had to come to anyways, uh, where I, I sought God out first mm-hmm. instead of my, instead of my husband. And, and I remember him just like, I, it was a beautiful visual and it was just like this big, massive hand, like just coming down from heaven and this invitation from God to just step into it. And like, mm-hmm. this was going to be my safe place. Um, and, and I, it was like such a big hand that, like that. I had to like reach up to climb into it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm kind of like, I crawl, I crawl into his hand and, and I just, I felt that security. Like he just really gave me so many graces. And he said, this is where you love your husband from. Like you mm-hmm. never step out of this hand. Like this is where you stay and I will protect you and I will provide for you. Like I, I will provide for everything that your heart needs. And from there you will give and you will love to your husband. And so that was, that's kind of where the journey began. And so in that time he was able to start, like, I was able to start seeing my husband as a child of God. Mm-hmm. Like I was able to start taking away like his addiction as his identity. And mm-hmm. just as this problem he was struggling with. Mm-hmm. And I was able to start to see my husband as my husband again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and because I wasn't in self-protection anymore mm-hmm. because God was protecting me and I had really stepped into that place of security first. And what, what, what happened from there is God really inspired me to love my husband in the way my husband needed to be loved. Mm-hmm. And, and I share this with very openly, but I, I, with always with a word of caution, I find to most people is that you can't. Mm-hmm blanket a solution onto every addiction. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. so what works for us is not necessarily going to work for everyone else because I'm unique and my husband is unique and everybody is so unique that mm-hmm. all of our hearts are in need of something very, very different. And God mm-hmm. knows what our hearts need. And so I really had to pray with God and ask him what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. But what I, what I came to realize that what I really wanted in my marriage more than anything was honesty. I just, I wanted honesty. Um, but I also knew that I had through all of this, just like wanting to control my husband, that I had to take responsibility for the fact that I had not, that I had really ripped away any security my husband had with me. Um, Mm. and, and that I was responsible for that. So like, yes, he had a responsibility to play for the lack of trust and security we had in our marriage, but so did I. Mm. in the way that I had responded to him in the way that I had chosen to respond to him. And so all I could control was, was whether or not I was helping to create a place of security in our marriage. Mm-hmm. And that was really the call that I felt from God that, that Daniel needed a safe place mm-hmm. that you can't experience love until you feel safe because mm-hmm. just like I was in self-protection, so was he. Right. Mm-hmm. And so in order for that wall to be able to fall down and for him to actually be able to experience my love and take it in and feel safe enough to to confront his problem and his addiction, um, he had to feel safe. And so I was just like, okay, Lord, like, how do I help Daniel feel safe? Right. And I really felt the call, um, to right So to have some accountability and boundaries. So like to provide him with an opportunity to be honest, right. That was the Mm -hmm. first thing I was Mm -hmm. like, I need Mm -hmm. to provide him with an opportunity to be honest 
but I also need to not shame him or hate him if he's yeah. not. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, and to just understand that his dishonesty is not an attack against me as much as it is a self-protection. Right. And so when he would, when he would come home and I, and I was pretty sure he had, he had been drinking, I would approach him and I would just ask him like, have you been drinking? And that was, that was providing him with that opportunity for honesty. And he would say, no, I haven't. Right. And I, and I would say, thank you for being honest with me. So like, basically if I wanted him to trust me, I needed to trust him. Right. And so, so really like a call to, um, a call to humiliation in a lot of ways. It was very difficult for me because, Mm. Um, my self-protection wanted to go off and say, I'm not going to be lied to, right? I'm not right. going to be fooled. I'm not going to be duped by you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to, to really let that go and, and to let myself be a fool mm-hmm. um, for the sake of, of loving him mm-hmm. was, was the next like kind of step. And so I would just say, thank you for being honest with me. And I would hug him. But then to, to help kind of create even more security and to tell to show him that it wasn't like me trying to guilt him into being right, honest with me. Right, right, right. Mm. I, I would just tell him like, I want you to know that even if you had been drinking, that I love you and that I would forgive you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that all I want is, is for you to know that you can be honest with me. And, and I would just give him a hug and his demeanor would go from like self-defense mm-hmm. to like to shame. Like you could tell, and he would be like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, you know, sorry for what? And he'd be like, I'm just sorry. Like he couldn't say it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, he was in so much pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he would just hug me and I would just hug him. And, and we would just kind of stay like that. And then it would happen again and he would drink again. And I would just ask him, have you been drinking? You know, and he would say no. And I feel like, okay, thank you for being honest with me. And just, you know, mm-hmm. even if you had been, I would, I love you and I would forgive you. And, and it would happen again. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we would just hug. Yeah. And that would happen. It happened over and over and over again for probably about a month and a half. Mm-hmm. Until one day he was able, he actually came to my workplace. <laughs> wow. Staggering in. <laughs> mm. um, you know, and of course my shame kind of like kicked in a bit again. And I wanted to hide him because everyone at work, no one at work knew what we were struggling mm. with. Mm. I hadn't told anyone at this point um, mm. about my husband's addiction uh, because there was no one to talk to about it. Right. And, um, and so I took him into the chapel because I worked at the cathedral at the time and uh, I took him into the chapel and he was able to be honest with me. Right. Um, yeah. And and that was the turning point for him, the ability to feel safe enough to be honest with me. And I just embraced him and we just, we were just together, you know, and then I, yeah. I brought him home and, and he wanted to change. Like he, he yeah. really wanted that for himself at that point. And that was, that was the turning point for mm-hmm. uh, it's not that he stopped struggling with his addiction, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. but that was a huge, huge, step for him. And, and every fall after that was very small and very short. Um, Mm -hmm. it was never, he never really fell back deeply into the addiction after that. Um, Mm -hmm. so it was just such a grace filled time. Like God was so faithful to us in that. Wow. This is so beautiful to me because yeah, like, you know, how do you love this? I mean, it's so cool because like, how do you love where there is safety and, you know, um, a a suffering with that acknowledges the truth of Mm -hmm. sin and evil in the situation. Because 
it's not also not good to love someone and be like, it's fine. Like, you know, like yeah, that's, right. not, yeah. that's not good. That's not so God's good. love. Like that's, that's not, not how God love. loves either. Yeah. 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 It's a bad idea. That's like not good for the person. It's not good for the relationship. So like, but this is so like, and you know, like you said, I think, and that's so important too. Like if God led you to this particular expression of love for him, to create this this space that that God can do that for us, like He can show mm-hmm. us particular mm-hmm. particular needs or particular um, responses in our in our relationships. It's not formulaic; it's personal. It's so personal, mm-hmm. um, you know. And and then I also like that image of the hand also struck me so much because I was like, it, it's you need, you could, how could you do that without security? And there is no security in sort of the reality of the addiction, because like you said, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a dynamic reality. It's not, and you can't control it. And, and we can never really control another person, right? Like we, we just can't. So if you're in a vulnerable, if you're in a relationship with someone in a certain sense, you are vulnerable. And if you're in this like permanent state of a vocation and that's your relationship you are permanently vulnerable <laughs> to like whatever that who that person is and their their weaknesses and their failings but like but then you're not if you're in the the hand of god like that third person of your marriage is the real the security for both of you then out mm-hmm. of that you can always be open you can always be vulnerable like it's so cool, but it's so hard. It's like Aaron said, you know, loving how God loves is not, it's not, it's not for the faint of heart. It's yeah, just, no, not, no, <laughs> no. You know? oh, but that's so, it's so like, thank you so much for sharing this because I think it's just give it, even for me in my own life or whatever, different situations, it's just, it's exciting. It's kind of exciting. Like, it's weird to say that, but it's sort of exciting to know <laughs> yeah. that, you know, like whatever the situation, if the Lord has put us there, if he's called us there, whatever our wounds are, whatever the wounds of others are, there's a way, there's kind of this way forward with God, like step by step. Mm. But it's not a way where he's like, here's the plan. I'm going to roll up this beautiful, you know, uh, like the logistics, everything's going to go. And you'll know, you know, from like, you know, this time in your thirties, Rachel, to whenever you die, this is how we're yeah. going to do it, you know, like, and yeah. then let's just execute like, and break and everybody go. It's not like yeah. that sort of like, you know, step into this place of love and security. That is who God is like, step into his hand, step into his heart. And then, and then listen. And like, there's so many things that you did, I think that God mm-hmm. led you to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe good to kind of enunciate that. I don't know what, what's, what's coming up for you. But like, one of the things for me is just like this posture of listening and then responding in little, like in every step, like you didn't, you didn't take any, I mean, yes, you did at the beginning, you, you responded and you, all the human stuff came out and whatever, but yeah. then, yeah. you know, but then God sort of brought you back to him. And then you were started just walking with God, like listening and walking and loving from that place of togetherness with God. Mm. And I think that's, for me, that's what's standing. I'm like, I can do that. Okay. Like that's not I don't have strength to do many things, but I, I can turn to God and I can mm-hmm. listen. I can place myself in that hand, you know, yeah. I don't know what's, I mean, what's speaking to you, Erin? Like what's. Yeah. The it's, I feel like even in how you were responding to him, Rita, it makes me think about, it makes me think about confession, honestly, because it's like, it's like a pledge of forgiveness before, before the fact, you know, mm. like, even letting him know, like for him to know that, 
that like there's something of the space that you were able to create for him in knowing that even before the fact, like even before he fell, that you would be there mm-hmm. and that you were offering your forgiveness, like, you know, um, like even before. And I feel like it's kind of like that with with us for confession with the Lord, you know, like he offers this to us always. Yeah. Like he oh, offers so this pledge of forgiveness without without condition aside from repentance like right. there's the condition for it right but it's but it's like but it but it's repentance and and that he would never withhold so it's like there's something there's something of a security in that like already that just creates this security where it's like we can somehow even like look at our wounds and face our wounds with this greater freedom because we know that in the imperfection of us coming face to face or like trying to love in that that always there will be this place for like starting again you know like mm. restarting again yeah and it's always it's not even a condition because it really is just acceptance. You know, it's like the yeah. forgiveness is always there and repentance really is just, I accept your, because right. when you accept forgiveness, it just means that, you know, you need to be forgiven. Right. Like, yeah. you know, and so it's like, it's like his focus is actually like, yeah, just accept. Like, like I'm, I'm here. I'm going to, I, I want to forgive you. I want to forgive you. And really the only thing we have to do is accept that and just really receive that, you know, just to, but inherent to that is repentance, like knowing that we need that. But yeah, there's like, that's mm-hmm. it. That's kind of it. Like we just, he's always, it's always on offer because of his love for us. Mm-hmm. Like, and he just gave that to your husband through you and he gave it to you first, like just you and him, you know, and then yeah, through yeah. you. That's so cool. Yeah. I didn't think yeah. of that connection. I love that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's really neat. I never thought about that either. That's <laughs> really cool. Well, and I mean, honestly, I'm sure it's probably something that you brought to confession too. Like the, the, I mean, it sounds like anyways, I don't want to break open anything yeah. that's like <laughs> top secret because we do respect the seal of confession. Um, but yeah, I mean, the there's like, there's so much grace that the Lord can give in our responses to each other, to other people, right? Like the ways that we habitually respond to other people who are like, I don't know, annoying us or who are sinning and are like present in our lives. Like, it's not just the, the, the like, there's a very real grace that comes through the sacrament of confession in those particular sins that come out of our own wounds in the choice that we have there. You mm. know what I mean? Like in that agency that we have there, that's also very real, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's so yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, and it's so true. And like that repetition piece, right? Like that was a thing because I realized, and I mean, I was really lucky because it was only about, uh, we'd only been married or dealing with the addiction for about two months uh, mm-hmm. before before God kind of led me to that place where I, I could respond differently to Daniel. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a way, we were really lucky because there was only two months of damage <laughs> in the sense mm-hmm. of, of the, the way that I had the way that yeah. I had tried to control mm-hmm. Daniel and had, had really broken that any security that we did have, I had broken it for about two months. So it didn't take as long I find to rebuild the security, mm. but he needed that repetition because he wasn't going to trust it just after I said it once. Right. right. Like he needed right. me to show it over and over and over again before mm. he could really trust that it was true because yeah. I had done so much controlling before. Yeah. And so, so that was still stronger in him, right? The belief that, oh yeah, she doesn't mean that she's just having a good day. Right. Right. But mm. like next time she's going to be 
crazy right. about it. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, I feel like that, that repetition piece was really, really important. And even before I was able to do that repetition piece, I know, like, I remember God being very clear to me that he was not promising that this was going to rid my husband of his addiction. Like mm, there, yeah, there was yeah, very right. much, he, he called me into that. He said, are you willing to do this until you die? Yeah. Like Oof. there, yeah, there was yeah, very yeah. much. I like, well, are you willing to love your husband unconditionally? Like to, to really practice those vows. Like, right. Cause my vows don't say I will, you know, love you right. as long as you don't drink. Like it doesn't say that no. in there. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm, I promised to love my husband no matter what. Yeah. And, and so God really called me into that. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I don't care. I will do this. Like I will do this until the day I die if mm-hmm. I have to. Um, yeah. And so it was such a surprise. Like it was an actual surprise, <laughs> like rejoicing when it happened like six weeks later mm. that my yeah. husband was able to start repenting and, and facing his addiction. Like that was mm-hmm. a total shock to me. Mm. um and yeah. really exciting yeah that's beautiful it really yeah. is like in sickness and in health you know because sin is yeah. a sickness like yeah it, oh yeah you know <laughs> yeah which we yeah. all got we yeah, all well, it. yeah. All and sick there was nothing there was nothing like there's a remedy reflecting yeah. <laughs> well the thing is and that's the thing like my husband mm. loved me yeah. through my sin too like that's right? one of the, that's what like later on like a year after the addiction god really like humbled me because he said you know rita like addictions to like pornography or alcohol or whatever else they're actually like as far as like you know on the layers of sin mm-hmm. goes they're at the bottom like the, the like the most the, super, like superficial like, yeah because they're, yeah. they're sins of the flesh right yeah yeah and he said and he showed me very clearly that i had been struggling with a sin of pride and to the point Mm-hmm. like very like self-reliance right and so much so to the point that like had i been fully aware of what I was doing, it would have been a state of moral sin. You know, like it was, mm-hmm. it was so significant and so severe in my life because I had gone to a point of burnout mm-hmm. and he showed me, he said, like my sin was worse. Mm-hmm. It was, it was socially acceptable, mm-hmm. right? but it was worse. Mm-hmm. And like, and in that sense. And so this idea that like, I had really been judging my husband's sin as this like far greater really than, mm. than was actually true. And that just because something is socially acceptable does not mean right. yeah. <laughs> that it's not like not severe. Um, and, and so just like, he really challenged the way that I, my, my own internal judgments and, and mm. really taught me to realize I'm like, I am not to, to judge. Like I, I really am not mm. like, mm. I cannot judge someone's internal state. Um, and yeah. the, severe, the yes. severity of someone's sin and like, and just how blind we are to our own sin. Right. Mm-hmm. right. That log. The log, the log yeah. 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 I love when God does that though. <laughs> he has such a way of doing that where it's like, cause, cause you think, I mean, if somebody's pointing out like your deepest flaws and like sins and whatever, like that could be crushing, like just crushing and completely disabling. But when God does it, like when he does, he points out something, you know what I mean? In our hearts, that's like, well, this is a big problem. Then he just does. It's like, he does it, but he does it with such love and such care Mm. and such tenderness that it's like, it's not crushing. It's actually freeing, which is so crazy you know like Rachel if you told me my biggest flaws I would be like f you we're not friends anymore (laughs) 
I'm just kidding. Aaron, I would, I hope, we haven't made marriage <laughs> vows to each other, so you're allowed to do that. You can, no, but like, but please don't. But I also, no, I would not. I would not. Also, but you're just right. To, no, if friends or family tell us like what's wrong with us, it's like, oh my, get out of here. Like, just get the heck out of here. I don't want to hear that. Like, that's terrible. Yeah. Awful I know. person are you? I know. Anyways, it's That's so natural, funny though. It's yeah. totally so true though. Yeah, it's yeah, so yeah, true yeah, though. Yeah. yeah. When God yeah. reveals it to you, there is, it's like, it's like, it hurts. Cause you know, it always hurts yeah, it to get the band aid ripped off. Hurts. Yeah. But yeah. Like, but it is, it's, it's like freeing. It yeah, is so freeing. freeing. Yeah. 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 And also like, there's a way in which what, what he asked you to, uh, how he asked you to love your husband, like I was thinking about this. You had to really love him. Like it wasn't enough for you to just go out and be like, I'm say these like words to your husband. Like you had to actually mean them, Yeah, which can only happen through a work of grace in a way. So like there's, there's another way in which like, yeah, the call to love our spouses, the call to love others in our lives is in some ways something we cannot do without like we just, you just can't do that without God. Like you can't mean it. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, help it doesn't actually impact that person unless you do mean it mm-hmm. it's words it's the whole it's your whole being that gave him that safety yeah. and security yeah you know so it's like also this beautiful way in which god is like forming you like exactly what he gave that promise he made four years or like i will make you holy like it doesn't mm-hmm. matter and it's precisely through this situation that he is like forming you he's like you know he's like purifying your heart from this like pride he's piercing your heart with love for your husband and i think like i think all of us like on the call have experiences like there is a way in which god makes you fall in love with someone like there's a way in which not makes you in a violent way but like yeah. beautifully reveals to you the lovability of that person yeah where like you're like oh my gosh of course I love you. Like, of course, like, you know, and it's like the most obvious thing, but it's like, it, yeah. it's not, it's not in an idealistic way where it's like, well, I love you because you're perfect. And it's not this infatuation. It's like this deep response to the reality of the beauty of them as, like you said, child of God, mm-hmm. as like created in his image and likeness as, because that's how God looks at us. And that's the other thing I was thinking, Aaron, with your, your confession analogy is like, mm-hmm. The the beauty of you learning to love Daniel in this way was also revealing to you how God has always and even more infinitely loved you and Daniel mm-hmm. and loves each mm-hmm. one of us. And like how incredible, like how much, how energizing is that? Like how, how energizing freeing, is that? Yeah, yeah. How freeing mm-hmm. is that to know like we are loved like this, you know, and that this love is actually a safe place. The opposite of this like, distorted view of, mm-hmm. of God that we often have of like, yeah. we must be good before we approach him. We must, mm. we must get our crap together yeah. before we go before the yeah. altar. Like, no, like it's, yeah. it's the altar. It's the sacrifice that makes us good. It's the love of God. Mm. That, and even if we're not you know, like in a spot of freedom, like where we're experiencing that yet, that it's possible, like it's yeah. possible that God is like the, the example of like you with your husband, like coming continually and saying these things and trying to hold that space of like, of like love and just kind of um, forgiveness, even before the fact or like whatever, you know, of like that, like it wasn't the first time that you did that, that he was able to respond, but it was like, but it was because of that kind of continually, you know, that it's like, it's also okay for us if we're not at that place where we're able to respond to God's love in that way yet. Like it's okay. And he's not going anywhere. Like he Mm -hmm. will. I mean, if we can do it as human beings, how much more like God, the father can, can like keep 
providing that and keep telling us these things until eventually our hearts act there's like a space in our hearts to actually believe it mm. and to actually recognize our wounds or our sins or things and then give them to him like he's he is so patient he is so patient with us eternally patient you know although hopefully we'll respond before <laughs> yeah I was gonna say like yeah he is eternally oh, patient we are finite so there's like kind of a, a time yeah. thing you know in our, in our lives like we gotta yeah. kind of pick up yeah. the pace a little bit sometimes. yeah 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 but like but and actually, in speaking to that, you know, just like thinking of of Daniel, thinking of your husband, that he could have, um, so like his courage to to engage as well, right? Like, mm. like he came home, you were offering this this space. You're like, hey, I'm I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you, I'm going to give you this opportunity, and he did respond like, no, I haven't been. He did that, but like even in every instance, when you then respond, like you know, you took his response for what it was, even though you might have known different, you know, but then you genuinely said, but if you had been drinking, like, I want, you to know, I love you. I would forgive you. And then him, his response, like, I'm sorry. Like, you know, like, even mm. though he couldn't, like, I've been drinking, like, I'm sorry. Like it, he was, he was sharing with you. Like, I want, I like, even there, like and what and he the, could, what he could exactly. And so I think mm-hmm. like, there's even a lesson for us there of like, okay, maybe you can't respond to God all the way, but like, what, what do you have? Like, whatever you have, like, you know, give him whatever, like he, he, everything is precious to him. So like, if you just have, you know, the most humble, I'm sorry, or like, just like, I, I, you know, we often say this on the podcast, like, even if you're angry with God or whatever it is, like, just engage in that conversation with him. Like you have to, mm-hmm. some part of you has to step towards him. Like some part mm-hmm. of you, he's mm-hmm. always there offering this space. He's always asking the question, and we don't have to give him the perfect response. We, we, but it's, we, we, we can respond like, mm-hmm. you know, there is always something, there's always something we can respond with. And I think Daniel, that example of Daniel, like shows us that like he, mm-hmm. his, he says something, he says, I'm sorry, he, he engaged, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and so, he like, came to you in the, did, like, exactly. in, in that state of yeah. like, being intoxicated when That's he right. finally was able to, you know, like to say what was really happening and to, you know, like yeah. that's Which what a move. Profound. Like that's so profound. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and we have, we have that, we must take hold of that agency that we have to, mm-hmm. to respond in from our mess, like from our crazy, like <laughs> yeah. Sinful yeah. struggle, you know, yeah. God who will sort of blow yeah. that out of us. I feel like we could use like, um, yeah, there's like a million different, different, beautiful things um, to see in, in your experience. But I wanted to like, before we kind of move into God, God wings and stuff, I wanted to see if there's anything um, like in, in the time since, or in your experiences, a couple of things like that, any, anything else that you feel like would be important to share, or even if there are other people in these kind of situations, situations, yeah, similar situation um, that you feel like would be important to, to share with them. Um, You know, like the one thing was my husband and I have such like um, it's been seven years now. Right. And, and we've struggled with like, we've, we've had to do a lot of the same kind of work with his pornography addiction, mm. um, which I think is a, probably a more common addiction. Um, mm. at least that people are struggling with today. Uh, but one of the things that I found so profoundly important for me to realize was even so like once we were good, like once our marriage and our marriage keeps growing in intimacy. Like, I mean, we have like a beautiful prayer life together. We're in ministry together. Like mm. we share so openly and vulnerably our hearts with each other. Like we really have like probably everyone's like dream marriage in a lot of ways now. Mm-hmm. 
And as, and I love that. And I, and I, I rejoice a lot in the marriage that I have with my husband. It's still a drop in the ocean compared to the joy that I experienced in allowing myself to be loved by God. Mm. Like the intimacy that I have with God and the security that I have with God, like it just does not even compare. And so And that was so hopeful for me because that's really what kept me going, um, in those first couple of years. Cause like, cause just cause it only took three months for my husband to like be able to admit his addiction. It took four years. It took four years for us to come to a place where he really had a full conversion, like a Mm -hmm. full conversion to God, um, where he was, where he really wanted to stop his addictions for, for his own sake. Mm -hmm. And so like God, like, but the joy I experienced in loving him, despite these things was so much richer. So, so, so much richer. And so you're not, I think, I think a lot of people think they're missing out mm-hmm. when their spouse is imperfect or their spouse isn't engaging in that marriage in the same way or in the way that they would like, but you're not like, you're not mm. God, like God gave me so much more. It gave me so much more in those times. Um, so much more joy, so much more intimacy, so many more constellations. Like he just, he was just so much, he was just so present, um, when I allowed him to be. And so mm-hmm. to, to just make sure that like, it could be frustrating at times and that's normal. And, and sometimes it's normal to fall a little bit into despair when you're, when your spouse isn't changing or is still struggling, but to just know that you're not missing out. Mm. Um, and that God, God is not like, God is such a generous God. And he, like, he would never, ever hold back joy and intimacy from you because of someone else's sin. Like mm. he would never do that. Mm. And so that I think is a place of security that we need to come to when our spouse is imperfect to just know that we're not missing out on joy in our life because of someone else's struggle. Mm. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah. That's very beautiful. And also challenging. I, Cause I think mm-hmm. sometimes, cause that means that we, there's something that we can do. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's something that God is like, Hey, I'm here. Like take, you know, there's something to take hold of and that takes mm-hmm. some courage. So, but it's also so hopeful and like exciting. I think, I don't know. Yeah. It's a weird word maybe to use. <laughs> But it is no, it is it's exciting. Exciting, I think. I'm like, yeah. There's so much freedom in in knowing yeah. that your joy is not mm-hmm. dependent on another human person. Like, yeah. there's so much joy and so much excitement. It's a challenge, yeah. but yeah. it's an exciting challenge because there's a good that's attainable. Mm. Yeah, that's like yeah. offered. There's a good that's offered. Like yeah. it's yeah. there. It's actually already offered to you. Yeah. And, and the yeah. beautiful thing it sounds like is like, you guys can then share that even though in the midst of his struggle, in the midst of all of this, like mm-hmm. there's something that can be shared. Mm-hmm. It's not, a, it's not a situation then when you're like, you are no longer able to relate. Like now yeah. you're able to relate and there's, there's real growth in that. So mm-hmm. cool. It's also an affirmation yeah. of like the, the, it's, you know, the feeling of somehow feeling like our life will begin when, or like yes. happiness will come when, or yes. like all of those kind of yes. things, which is, feels so, I mean, we live so much in the past or in the future. Yeah. It is very difficult to live in the present, but the present is exact. The present is a present from God, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. But you know what, it, but like, yeah. it kind of, yeah. right. It is like, it's like, he's not, 
not all times will be joy, not all times will be sorrow, not all times will be whatever, but like living in the present is exactly what we need from God. Mm, yeah. Because there's, it's what um, he gives. Yeah. There's this text that we've been reading in the uh communion and liberation group that I kind of um that I go to. And it's it's by Jusani. It's called Recognizing Christ. And in it he says, Christ is today. And there's actually a YouTube video mm-hmm. of him like it's like, it was like a talk that he gave or something like that. So the YouTube of him like say, saying this, but he was like, he's like so emphatic about it. He's like, Christ is today. Like he's today, you know? Mm. And it's like, so it's like, he's like trying to be like, do you, don't you get like, hear me? Like he is today. And I'm like, oh yeah. True. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's, That's yes. such good news. That's why yeah. it's good news. Cause he is today. He's yeah. not like, he's not an idea. He's not in the past. Yeah. He's waiting for somewhere yeah. else. He's That's right. Now. It's like Mother Teresa's quote, the past, the past, um, the past is gone. Tomorrow is not yet come. We have only today to love Jesus. Let us begin. Mm. Let us begin. Mm. That's so beautiful. Okay. I feel like that we could talk forever and ever and ever and ever. I feel like that's like, that's like a good, um, we have only today to love Jesus. Let us begin, you know? And with that, Rita is going to share our God week today. Um, Yes, which I'm excited about. All right, go for it. It's all yours. Okay, I had a really funny funny moment with my guardian angel. I had been trying to like develop more of a relationship with my guardian angel um, and kind of be more attentive to like his promptings and stuff. And I'm like walking out of my house and it's it's raining and I'm wearing these little flip-flops. And I kind of get this, like this kind of nudge that I should go change my shoes. Mm. Um, and I'm, and I, I go to my guardian angel. I'm like, Oh, it's okay. Like you'll take care of me. You'll protect me. Right. <laughs> so I, I take one step off of my down the stairs and I literally slip, fall on my <gasps> butt and like fall oh down the stairs. Oh, oh my gosh. And I started like laughing because <laughs> I like, I could like hear my guardian angel tell me he's like, I will let you know when there's danger, but like you still have free will. <laughs> and I was just like, okay. <laughs> that a great That's moment. so funny. Yeah, That's I love crazy. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's that so great. So cool. yeah. I love I also love that, like getting to know our guardian angels. Yeah. More. It's like yeah. I don't know my guardian angel that well. Although I do I pray that guardian angel prayer protection every day because I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? I definitely need it. I definitely I could use all the help, you know, and and we have these like Guardians yeah. there with us. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, all, we often forget about them. I think I know. Yeah. I've been They're trying like to tell my friends. nephews about them. Like, tell my because you know how kids are like, just the thought of having like a guardian angel and stuff. And they're like, and my little nephew who repeats everything, I'm like, did you know that you have a guardian angel? I have a guardian angel. And <laughs> Like, yeah. And did you know that he's with you all the time to look after you? She's with me all the time to look after me. (laughs) Everything. It's it's the cutest. Anyway, it's so cute. It's so cute. Yeah. But we are so grateful. I think this is going to be, I mean, sometimes it doesn't get talked about a lot necessarily, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe like men's sessions or like whatever, but sometimes like addiction and marriage doesn't get talked about a lot. So I think there's going to be a lot of people who will listen and really be consoled by Mm -hmm. the things that you've shared today. Yeah. Thank you so much. And your Mm -hmm. husband as well. Thank you. Yeah. Please thank Daniel for us. Yes, I will. (laughs) Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. And just thank you so much for the opportunity um, to share, to share my story and my testimony. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Very clear. The Lord will do a lot of things through what he's brought you guys through. So Mm -hmm. 
All right, dear listeners. Well, we will look forward to um, talking at you next week. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And we're praying for you as usual, especially this week. If there's any families who are um, marriages who are really experiencing this, please know that we are praying for you in a special way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. God bless you guys. Everybody, God God bless. bless. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of In the Thicket. If you like what you hear, give us a rating and hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday with more stories and honest conversations about life when the going gets rough and the hope and humor amidst it all. We'd love for you to join our community on Instagram and Facebook at In the Thicket Podcast. While you're there, let us know how we can pray for you. God bless and see you next week.